Section 10 of My Life in Christ by St. John of Kronstadt Translated by E. E. Gulioff This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Have you seen how respectfully, humbly, and orderly subordinates of all classes and all stations behave in relation to their chiefs, and thus in their mutual intercourse fulfill their duty of subordination? Have you not seen with what veneration and strict etiquette those that surround a king behave? And all these are only examples of the behavior of creatures in relation to the Creator. And it is in this right behavior in respect to the Creator, in their obedience to His laws, that their welfare and the object of their life consist. Sometimes a man seems to pray fervently, but yet his prayer does not bring into his heart the fruits of peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Why is this? It is because in praying the appointed prayers he has not sincerely repented of those sins which he has committed during the day, by which he has defiled his heart, the temple of Christ, and by which he has angered the Lord. But had he remembered them, had he repented of them in all sincerity, and judged himself impartially, the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, would immediately have entered into his heart. In the prayers of the Orthodox Church there is an enumeration of sins, but not of all, and often the very sins by which we have bound ourselves are not mentioned. Therefore we must absolutely enumerate them ourselves during our prayer clearly recognizing their gravity with a feeling of humility and heartfelt contrition. This is why, in the evening prayers at the enumeration of sins, it is said, I have done wrong either in this or in that. That is, it is left to our own will to make mention of these or those sins. Our faith in church is like a most honored, holy, godly, firm, venerable woman, who never grows old, and in whom ever dwells a young living spirit, giving life to her true children. As we always behave with great respect to old people, honoring their gray hair and wisdom, the fruits of experience, and highly value each of their words, and apply them to our own life so ought we especially to honor the church, venerate her holiness, antiquity, her unshaken firmness, her divinely enlightened wisdom and spiritual experience, her soul-saving commandments and ordinances, her divine services, sacraments and rites. How can we do otherwise than respect her, even if only for having saved in her bosom an innumerable multitude of people, transplanting them into the abode of eternal peace and joy, not forgetting them even after their death, but remembering them until now upon earth, eternally praising and glorifying their virtues as her true children. Where will you find a more grateful friend, a more tender mother? And therefore may Christians attach themselves wholly and with all their hearts to the Church of Christ, that they may be firmly established unto the end of their temporal life. 
may they all be zealous of the fulfillment of all her commandments and ordinances, and may they obtain in her eternal salvation through Christ Jesus our Lord. In accordance with God's most wise order in this world, one thing precedes another, and one is changed into another. Dishonor and honor, poverty and wealth, health and sickness. Before bestowing wealth upon any one, God often tries him by extreme poverty, depriving, on the other hand, the rich of everything. Before honor, by dishonor and those raised to honor by humiliation, so that we may learn to value God's gifts, and not be proud in our prosperity, knowing that it is the gift of the Master, undeserved by us. It is necessary to rouse the heart to pray, otherwise it will become quite dry. The attributes of prayer must be love of God, sincerity, and simplicity. We must pray in spirit, because God is a spirit, and not flesh, with truth, and not falsely, because God is the truth. The same may be said in regard to prayers to the saints. Do not call upon them only with the lips, for they have neither lips nor voice, nothing corporeal, but with your heart or soul burning within you. Then they will hear you, for everything seeks that which is akin to it. Yes, not flesh and blood will inherit the kingdom of God, but the pure spirit burning with love to God. Quench not the spirit, says the word of God. Let every Christian, especially every priest and instructor of children, remember this. We who are priests must especially burn with the spirit in our high service to God and mankind. How much we might have done for God, for men, and for ourselves, if we had applied ourselves to our work with faith and love, zealously, warmly, energetically. And how little, dry, fruitless, will be our service if we do our work indolently, slothfully, coldly, without any zeal and energy. We shall have much to answer for before God, both for ourselves and for those entrusted to our care. Watch yourself when a poor man, needing help, asks it of you. The enemy will endeavor at that time to chill your heart and fill it with indifference, and even scorn towards him that is in want. Overcome in yourself these unchristian and inhuman dispositions. Incite your heart to compassionate love towards this man, like unto you in all respects, to this member of Christ and your own, for we are members one of another, to this temple of the Holy Ghost, in order that Christ the Lord may love and help you too, and whatever the needy may ask of you, fulfill his request according to your power. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Pronounce the words of the prayer with heartfelt firmness. When praying in the evening, do not forget to confess in prayer to the Holy Ghost with all sincerity and contrition, those sins into which you have fallen during the past day. A few moments of fervent repentance, and you will be cleansed by the Holy Ghost from every impurity. 
you will be whiter than snow, and tears, purifying the heart, will flow from your eyes. You will be covered with the garment of Christ's righteousness and united to Him, together with the Father and the Holy Ghost. Spiritual poverty consists in esteeming oneself as though not existing, and God alone as existing, in honoring His words above everything in the world, and in not sparing anything to fulfill them, even one's own life, in considering God's will in everything, both for ourselves and others, entirely renouncing our own will. The man who is poor in spirit desires and says with his whole heart, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. It is as though he himself disappears, everywhere and in everything, he wishes to see God, in himself and in others. Let everything be thine, not mine. He wishes to contemplate God's holiness in himself, and in all, his kingdom, also his will also to see him alone entirely filling the human heart, as it should be, because he alone is all-merciful and all-perfect, all-creating, whilst the enemy, the devil and his instruments, and those who oppose God, are thieves in the kingdom of God, and adversaries of God. To him who is poor in spirit the whole world is as nothing." Everywhere he sees God alone giving life to everything and ruling everything. For him there is no place without God, no moment without God. Everywhere and at every minute he is with God, and is though with him alone. He who is poor in spirit does not dare and does not think of trying to comprehend the incomprehensible, to discover God's mysteries, to philosophize on the highest, he believes in the single word of the Lord, the life-giver, knowing that every word of his is truth, spirit, and eternal life, and in the words of his church, ever instructed in all truth by the Holy Ghost, he believes as a child believes his father or mother, not requiring proofs, but perfectly relying upon them. He who is poor in spirit considers himself the very last and the most sinful of all, reckons himself worthy of being trampled underfoot by every one. How vividly God's saints represented God to themselves! The saints who through the Holy Ghost compiled prayers for their own and our guidance. In what fear and trembling they stood before God in prayer, but also with what love and hope. Every word of their prayer says, God is with us, and God within us hears each of our words, sees every thought, every wish, every tear. Sometimes we stand praying in church or at home, in a state of spiritual and bodily prostration. Then powerless, cold, unfruitful is our soul, like some heathen, unfruitful temple. But as soon as we make an effort and force our heart to sincere prayer to God, turn our thoughts and heart towards Him with living faith, our soul immediately becomes vivified, warm, and fruitful. What sudden tranquillity, what lightness, what emotion, what inward holy fire, what tears for our sins, 
what a sincere feeling of sorrow that by them we have displeased the most merciful master what light in the heart and mind what an abundant stream of living water is diffused in the heart flowing freely from the tongue or from the pen and pencil if we are writing upon the paper the wilderness of the soul blossoms like a lily at the coming of the lord into the heart oh why do we not turn our hearts oftener towards the lord how much peace and comfort ever lie concealed in him for us oh how great is thy goodness which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee how artful and watchful a bird is it does not let itself be caught in god's wide world but when it sees anybody approaching and wishing to seize it it immediately flies up from the earth and thus saves itself from the fowlers so also the christian must be wise and watchful in order that the incorporeal fowler may not catch his soul our soul is like a heavenly bird the devil a wicked fowler seeking to devour souls as the bird flying up to heaven thus saves itself from the fowler so likewise we when we see the enemy the devil striving to catch our soul by means of earthly things must immediately forsake these things with all our heart and must not for a moment attach ourselves to them but must fly up in our thoughts to jesus christ our saviour and thus we shall easily be delivered from the snare of the fowler the way to succeed in any good work when you are praying at home at evening or at morning prayer or in the church during divine service be solicitous in your heart to accomplish this particular good work and heartily desire to fulfil it to the glory of god the lord and his most pure mother will unfailingly teach you will instil in your heart some bright idea how to accomplish it if you wish to write a discourse or a sermon and do not know what to write about if there is no living water in your heart you have only to be solicitous of this during your prayer the lord and his most pure mother will unfailingly and clearly show you the subject for your sermon and its parts and your mind and heart will be enlightened by a clear knowledge of all sides of the subject thank god every day with your whole heart for having given to you life according to his image and likeness an intelligently free and immortal life especially thank god for having restored and guided you again unto life eternal after you had fallen into eternal death for having done so not simply by the action of his omnipotence for this would not have been in conformity to his justice but by having given for our redemption his only begotten son who suffered and died for us thank him also for again daily bestowing life upon you who have fallen an innumerable multitude of times by your own free will through sins from life into death and that he does so as soon as you only say from your whole heart father i have sinned against heaven and before thee thank him also for often delivering you from sickness you who imprudently throw yourself into danger and sickness the precursors of bodily death for correcting your faults 
and for not depriving you of earthly life, knowing that it is dear to you, and that you are not yet ready for the future, eternal life. Thank him for all your means of existence, for all the joys and sorrows of life, for everything is from him, the all-merciful Father. Everything comes from the first origin of life, who has apportioned and lent life to all. That man is of a noble and elevated spirit, who mercifully and generously scatters his gifts upon all, and rejoices when he has an opportunity of doing good and giving pleasure to everybody without thinking of being rewarded for it. That man is of a noble and elevated spirit, who never grows conceited and haughty towards those who frequent him and avail themselves of his bounties, does not neglect them in any respect, does not underrate them in any degree in his thoughts, but esteems them as he esteemed them at their first meeting with him, or much higher than at that time. As it is, it often happens that we grow conceited and proud towards those who have become ours, and, having become accustomed to them, speedily grow tired of them, and reckon them as nothing. We often place a man lower than a beloved animal or a beloved object. It is sometimes well during prayer to say a few words of our own, breathing fervent faith and love to the Lord. Yes, let us not always converse with God in the words of others, not always remain children in faith and hope. We must also show our own mind, indict a good matter from our own heart also. Moreover, we grow too much accustomed to the words of others and grow cold in prayer. And how pleasing to the Lord this lisping of our own is, coming directly from a believing, loving, and thankful heart. It is impossible to explain this. It is only needful to say that when you are praying to God with your own words, the soul trembles with joy, it becomes wholly inflamed, vivified and beatified. You will utter few words, but you will experience such blessedness as you would not have obtained from saying the longest and most touching prayers of others, pronounced out of habit and insincerely. When you ask anything of the Lord, immediately contemplate His merciful and generous right hand, bestowing upon you His gifts, for it is his right hand that has given, and still gives, from God's abundance, everything to all, and consider as foolishness any doubt whether you will or will not obtain that which you ask for, a foolishness similar to that of which the psalmist said, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Thus, in asking any good and generous man for help, we represent to ourselves beforehand his outstretched hand, for earthly benefactors, after the example of their all-merciful Father, are merciful and generous, and give us that which we ask them for immediately after our request, as it is said, What man is there of you, whom if his son shall ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him?' 
when you experience oppressive waywardness of heart and unbelief in respect to any object of faith then know that the enemy is in your heart and that he mocks at your ignorance your weakness and your inconstancy in faith sincerely condemn at once your foolishness your blindness your sinful inconstancy in faith and your ingratitude to god for the former light of your heart and former benefits received by you through faith in that object for instance in the relics of the saints which your heart in its sinful obstinacy now denies or in which it does not now believe as it formerly believed and the master will have mercy upon you your anguish will cease and you will be at rest oh the enemy wishes that even in matters of faith everything should be in accordance with his falsehood the new man regenerate finds pleasure in obedience whilst the old man wishes to resist and disobey therefore o lord thy will be done i accept as an expression of thy will all that is required of me by the authorities set over me all that others do to me patience all that happens to me for nothing happens without thee thou art in everything throughout all and everything god is a spiritual being from whom everything has received its existence and without whom nothing can be imagined in whom everything has its origin continuation life and preservation who is infinitely greater than any time and space who never had either beginning nor ending before whom everything is as though it did not exist who is holy everywhere who is not restricted either by any space or any atom nor mountain nor heavenly body nor sea nor air nor fire nor earth who himself eternally fills all space and who himself by his power keeps in existence everything that exists who is in every place in every unimaginable point of space and himself unlimitedly contains every space in a word god is that which is that is to say as it were alone existing the one who is if during service your brother does anything irregularly or somewhat negligently do not become irritated either inwardly or outwardly with him but be generously indulgent to his fault remembering that during your life you yourself commit many many faults that you yourself are a man with all infirmities that god is long-suffering and most merciful and that he forgives you and all of us our iniquities an innumerable multitude of times remember the words of the lord's prayer and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us these words should always remind us that we ourselves at all times are great trespassers great sinners before god and that remembering this we should be humble in the depths of our hearts and not be very severe to the faults of our brethren weak like ourselves that as we do not judge ourselves severely we must not judge others severely for our brethren are 
our members, like ourselves. Irritability of temper proceeds from want of self-knowledge, from pride, and also from the fact that we do not consider the great corruption of our nature, and know but little, the meek and humble Jesus. God tries the various sinful attachments of our hearts in different ways. One, the miserly, he tries by the loss of his money or his property, or a part of it, allowing thieves to steal, or brigands to rob him, another by fire or inundation, another by useless expenditure through unsuccessful business affairs, another by illness and expenses for medicines and doctors connected with the illness, another by the loss of wife, sister, or friend, another by dishonor. He tries all in different ways, in order to disclose to each the weak, diseased parts of his heart, and to teach each one to correct himself. In many, a sword shall pierce through their own soul, that the thoughts of their hearts may be revealed. Therefore, whatever loss may have occurred to your property, believe that it is the will of God, and say, The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why does a man sometimes suddenly get into such a frenzy that he becomes violently angered, speaks quickly, abruptly, and incoherently, wrings his hands, tears his hair, or in his passion strikes others, foolishly breaks everything that falls into his hands, and behaves like a madman, or like one infuriated? evidently because in his heart the subcelestial spirits of evil are working, instigating men to every wickedness, and breathing evil and destruction upon all and everything. Why are there both suicides of all kinds, as well as murderers of others? From the working of the immemorial suicide and murderer, the devil, in the hearts of suicides and murderers. This is why Christ, the Saviour, and the Christian religion command everyone to have that meekness and humility which do not allow the spirits of evil and pride, seeking the death of all and each one, to work in the hearts of true Christians. The Lord says, Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. The wrath of man is a terrible, unnatural phenomenon in a man. It is often aroused in the heart by the most unimportant causes, mostly through the self-love or pride concealed in our heart. We must remember that the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. James 1, 20 For him who truly believes in God, all material earthly things and all visible worlds, as it were, vanish. He cannot imagine a point of space without God. Everywhere he contemplates the one infinite being, God. He represents to himself that with every breath of air he breathes God. For him the Lord is everywhere and in everything, and creatures as though they did not exist, while he himself willingly vanishes mentally in order to give place also in himself to the one God who alone is, and who works within him in everything.
Sometimes, just when we begin to delight in the Lord, the enemy soon after, either himself or through men, brings the greatest sorrow upon us. Such is the lot of those who are laboring in this life for the Lord. For instance, you have just received peace and joy in the cup of the Lord, and sometimes immediately after the service a fiery temptation assails you, and with it the affliction connected with it. Even at the very cup the enemy sets his snares for you, and disturbs you by various thoughts against which you must fight, or else, knowing that you have wished for a long, long time to find rest in God, the enemy will not allow it. As long as the passions still work in us, as long as the old man lives and is not dead within us, until then much sorrow must befall us from various temptations in life and from the struggles between the old man and the new. Great encouragement, consolation, and hope are afforded to those who pray by the following reassuring words of the Lord ask and it shall be given you and further what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread will he give him a stone if any one asks me anything and i though evil and corrupt by nature listen to his requests his words moving my heart to compassion and help and my hand to giving then will not my words my most sincere prayer Move the fount of mercies, the lover of mankind, to have mercy upon me and help me, I who am a sinner, but still his creature, and the work of his hands. If earthly fathers are merciful, will not the heavenly Father be still more merciful? If I am merciful, will not God, the source of all mercy, be still more merciful? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? Let your faith and hope in God be strengthened by the earthly relations of fathers to their children. For all of us are the children of the Father which is in heaven, who is in truth the one Father of all creatures. When you feel that there is no peace in your heart, through an undue partiality towards anything earthly and worldly, and that, besides this, the heart breathes irritability and malice, be immediately on your guard, and do not let your heart be filled with the devilish fire. Pray fervently, and strengthen by the power of God your passionate, impatient heart. Be firmly assured that the evil is kindled in your heart by the enemy. He chiefly assaults the heart through a full stomach. This is from experience. When you go to visit any of your relations or friends, do not go to their house in order to eat and drink well, but go there in order to take part in friendly and sincere conversation with them, to refresh your soul from worldly vanities by friendly and loving intercourse, to be mutually comforted by your common faith. For I seek not yours, but you, says the Apostle. Charity, it is said, rejoiceth not in iniquity, 
but rejoiceth in the truth. It often happens to us to see the unrighteous sinful doings of men, or to hear of them, and we have a sinful habit of rejoicing at such doings, and of shamelessly expressing our joy by foolish laughter. This is wrong, unchristian, uncharitable, and impious. It shows that we have not Christian love for our neighbor in our hearts. For charity rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Let us therefore cease doing this, so that we may not be condemned with the workers of iniquity. Do not breathe malice, vengeance, and murder even towards animals, lest your own soul should be given up to death by the spiritual enemy breathing wickedness in you even towards dumb animals, and lest you should become accustomed to breathe malice and vengeance against men also. Remember, that animals are called to life by God's mercy, that they may enjoy their existence as much as they can during their short life. The Lord is good to all. Do not beat them if they are unreasonable, or if they play tricks, or if any of your property is damaged by them. Blessed is the man who is merciful to his beast. When holy peace reigns in my soul, then surely the King of Peace dwells within me, the Lord Jesus Christ, with the Father and the Holy Ghost. And then especially I ought to be full of feelings of gratitude to the Lord of Peace, and endeavor with all my strength to preserve this peace within me by means of fervent prayer and by abstaining from every sin, both inward and outward. The Comforter, the Holy Ghost, who fills the whole universe, passes through all believing, meek, humble, good, and simple human souls, dwelling in them, vivifying and strengthening them. He becomes one spirit with them, and everything to them. Light, strength, peace, joy, success in their undertakings, especially in a pious life, and everything good. Going through all understanding, pure and most subtle spirits. We have been all made to drink into one spirit. All pious people are filled with the Spirit of God, similarly as a sponge is filled with water. When you walk in a forest, garden, or meadow, and see the young shoots of the plants, the fruits on the trees, and the variety of the flowers of the field, learn a lesson from God's plants namely, the lesson that every tree each summer unfailingly puts forth at least one shoot of considerable size, and unfailingly grows in height and dimensions. It seems as though every tree endeavors each year to advance by the strength that God has given it. Therefore say to yourself, I too must each day, each year, absolutely grow higher and higher morally, better and better, more and more perfect, must advance on the road to the kingdom of heaven, or to the Father which is in heaven, through the strength of our Lord Jesus Christ and his Spirit dwelling and working within me. As the field is adorned by a multitude of flowers, so should the field of my own soul be adorned by all the flowers of virtue, 
as the trees bring forth flowers and afterwards fruit, so must my soul bring forth the fruits of faith and good works. Do not passionately care for your flesh, do not cherish it, do not gratify it, and do not strengthen it against the spirit. Otherwise, when it is necessary to labor in spirit, for instance, to pray or write a spiritually moral work, you will find that the flesh has overpowered the spirit, and has bound it hand and foot. The flesh overthrows all the impulses of the spirit, and will not let it rise and come to its full power. The spirit will then be the slave of the flesh. Our love for God, or for our neighbor, will especially show itself, and its purity, strength, and constancy will be revealed, when there is a contrary power of the devil, struggling and acting like fire in our hearts, and endeavoring to implant aversion, antagonism, contempt, hatred, and enmity in our hearts. Love is strengthened within us when the opposing forces endeavor, so to say, to uproot it, whilst we struggle in every way against these opposing forces, and by our struggle with the enemy purify, raise, and strengthen our love. It is in reward for this constant battle out of love for God and our neighbor, for this firmness, for this fiery, stubborn, constant, invisible war against the sub-celestial spirits of evil, that God weaves the shining heavenly crowns for the wrestlers of love for God and their neighbor. In this respect, holy ascetics, known as the Holy Fathers, are worthy of thousands of crowns. They, out of love for God, forsook the world and all that is in the world, they went away into desert, uninhabited places, and there, shut up in their cells, they spent all their life in thinking of God, in prayer, in renouncing their own will, in fasting, watching, laboring, and in doing great deeds for the love of God, enduring during their whole life the assaults of the opposing forces, endeavoring by every means to shake their faith and trust in God, and especially their love for him. To fight for the love of God against our own flesh and the devil, that crafty, mighty, and evil enemy, not for some hours, days, and months, but for many years, sometimes sixty or seventy, is not this worthy of crowns? And what, in comparison with these ascetics, or holy fathers, are men living in the world, falling so often into sin even without being assaulted, and defeated by their own flesh without even being attacked. What in comparison to holy ascetics are worldly men, living in accordance with their own will, in luxury, in the pleasures of every kind, gorgeously apparelled and living delicately, given over to pride, ambition, envy, hatred, avarice, irritability, wrath, revenge, amusements, fornication, drunkenness, to all possible vices, although not all in the same person. They are caught alive, without any resistance, in the power of the devil, and therefore he does not attack them, 
but leaves them long entangled in his nets in the peace and self-forgetfulness that precede death. End of section 10